in this ayah of Quran, Allah SWT has given us a step-by-step path to get taqwa. And there's one very important word in this ayah, which I actually want to talk to you about. But before I reach that word, First Allah SWT addresses the believers amanu, Those who have iman Those who wish to turn to him Those who wish to love him And he tells them Isbiru That you must have sabr The very first thing Allah Ta'ala mentions in this ayah and sequence Is that we must have sabr It means that once you would choose the path of iman And you want to become closer to Allah SWT There will be some problems there will be some obstacles, there will be some setbacks, there will be some failures. And if you don't have sabr, right there you will stop. You will be paused and you will be halted and you won't be able to reach the path of taqwa and you won't have falah. And see a lot of people, they stop right here. They're not able to have sabr. Even the smallest thing enters their life, a small illness, small decline in their business, some small enmity or envy or jealousy from someone and they completely pause. They go still. They're not able to go further in their deen. Even sometimes people say that the good a'mal that they were doing, they even lose those a'mal. They have a lapse in their amal. So they had tawfiq to do something and Allah Ta'ala sent some difficulty in their life and they ended up even stopping doing what they were already doing. So the first word is isbiru. Second is wasabiru. So actually the word sabr in one sense is coming twice. Sabiru here means to have istikamat. It means to have perseverance, endurance, steadfastness. So in the face of worry, difficulty, adversity, hardship, have patience, don't lose hope, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way to do sabr the way not to lose hope is to have istikama, to persevere and remain steadfast on the amal that a person was doing. Always remember that whatever few amal Allah Ta'ala gives us tawfiq to do, in any difficult situation you have to grab onto that amal. Those amal are more important to do steadfastly in difficult times than they were in good times. And then the third word of the sponsor I use is here, Rabitu. That's actually what I wanted to speak about tonight. Rabitu comes from Rabt. Rabt means to have a connection and attachment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabitu, connect your heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabitu, intertwine yourself with the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabitu, make such a link to Allah SWT that you can feel His mercy and rahmah and karam and fazl and nur entering your heart. 
This rabd is one of the most important things in our deen. And the lack of this rabd, this connection and relation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is why many of us slide and we slip and we feel distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We feel bayid from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas Allah ta'ala said, فَإِنِّي kareeb That Allah ta'ala is extremely near to us. So this word rabd actually became something that the earliest teachers of what today is called tasawwuf, what prior to that was called tazkiyah, and in the time of tabai tabin was called zuhud. They picked up on this word from this verse in Quran. One of the greatest of the tabai tabin, his name is Abdullah bin Ibarak Rimulatana. Imam al-Bayhaqi in his kitab al-Zawd has quoted him as mentioning the first use of this word ribat. Now ribat literally used to be in the time of Sahaba, a word used for that place where the horses of the army, the cavalry, would be stationed and parked. But then in the time of the Tabai Tabi and Ribat was used for that masjid where this particular training was given, how the people could get their hearts in rabd with Allah Taala, how they could do amal on this word of Quran, Rabitu, how they could connect themselves deeper to Allah Taala how they could form a stronger relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Imam Ghazali he took this concept and this word Rabitu for those who know Arabic actually it's from Murabata. So Murabata means two way which is a beautiful thing. It means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already has a deep rabd with us. Allah subhanahu already has a deep connection, affiliation, attachment to us. Why? Because of our iman. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, Allahu amanu. Allah Ta'ala is the wali of those who have iman. Yukhrijuhum min zulumati ila nur. Allah Ta'ala takes them out from the darknesses of their sin and ignorance and oppression into the nur of taqwa, the nur of his rahmah. So Allah Ta'ala's rabd with us is very strong. He is with you wherever you are. He is intimately near to you. Murabata means in Arabic this whole word form means to make it two way. It's known as Babi Mufa'ala. It's Khasi as Janibain. In simple English it means to take something that's one way and make it two way. So Allah Ta'ala's rabd in a connection with the people of Iman is already very strong. We have to now turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make that connection a two-way connection, Rabitu. Now for this, Imam al-Ghazali has mentioned six steps, of which I'm only probably going to do two of them with you today. Six steps. I'll say the names first, but we'll probably only discuss two of them tonight. And because Imam al-Ghazali was writing in a time when people like to use rhyme and poetry in their Arabic, so all of the six words he uses are on the same form and pattern of Murabata. The first word he mentions is called Musharata. Musharata in English means that you have to set some sharait, some shurut, some conditions for yourself. You have to harness yourself in some conditions if you want to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second word he uses is Muraqaba. And that means you must be aware of yourself and you must be vigilant over yourself if you really want to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third word he uses is muhasaba. You have to call yourself to account. Keep track of yourself if you want to have this connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The fourth word he used is muaqaba. That if you fail along the way, you have to discipline. Literally, it means punish. You actually have to set some disciplinary punishments on yourself when you fail to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fifth word he uses is mujahada. That you must continuously, constantly keep striving, keep trying to get this connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last word he uses is mu'ataba. Mu'ataba means you should blame yourself for any failure. I'll just tell you one, two lines about the sixth point. So there's three types of nafs Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Quran. Nafs Ammara, the nafs that commands us to do sin. Nafs Mutam'inna, that nafs that is completely pleased on Sharia, and Allah Ta'ala is pleased with that nafs. And in between, the bridge between the Ammara and the Mutam'inna is called nafs al-Lawama. That's the nafs that blames itself for sinning. The person who blames himself. So basically for most of us we are on this bridge. For some of us it's a very long bridge. That we begin at Amara, we want to end up on Mutminna, and we have this long bridge to cross. So that's why Imam Ghazali put it on the sixth point. Here's so the first one now, Musharata. What are the conditions? Allah Ta'ala has already set the conditions that is called Sharia. The Sharia, the Quran and Sunnah is the conditions of our behavior. But the point is, it's not enough to believe in it. To follow Hidayah means to personally, Allah Ta'ala revealed the Quran. Musharata means to personally view the Quran as the condition of your life. To personally view the Sunnah and Sharia as the conditions by which you must abide in your life. It's not just to have Iman in it. So we'll give you some examples of this concept. And you can apply this to, I will just do it for the eye and the tongue, but you can apply it to all of our organs and our thoughts and our feelings. So what are the conditions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set for the eye? Now me and you, we know these things. I'm not going to say anything new right now that you have never heard. But the point is, all we know and we believe that Allah ta'ala has set these conditions, but we have yet to set them as conditions for our own eyes. It's like theory versus practice. So this notion of musharata is that you have to make it your own personal practice. So for example, when it comes to eye, number one, the eye should not look at any ghair mahram. The eye should not look at the beauty of a person of the opposite gender. The eye should not have lust. The eye should not even cast a single glance of lust and attraction to the beauty of the opposite gender. Second, the eye should not look at someone with condescension, should not look at somebody that they're lower than you. Maybe you pass by somebody, you think their way of walking was inferior. You think their way of talking is inferior. You think their way of eating is inferior. And you look at them in a certain way, the way a person looks at someone when they think they're inferior, that's also a haram use of the eye. That's also a haram gaze and glance to cast on someone. A third is that... It's Jeev Imam with this third point, that just as a person will be called on the Day of Judgment to account for their excessive speech, just like that a person will be called to account for his excessive gazing, staring, being overly aware of anything in this world, whether it's window shopping, if it's women, whether it's looking at billboards, whether it's surfing websites about new models of cars, overly using our eyes. This is called Israf. Our Mashaikh in Akshaban, they implemented a principle of life called Nazar Barqadam in Persian. 
it meant that to keep, literally it means to keep your gaze lowered on your feet. What they meant was not literally on your feet, it meant on your path. So the feet represent the footsteps that you take on the path of life. It means and to lead a purposeful life. Not to be so purposeless that your eyes are looking everywhere, that you're absorbing everything. And by nazar also, they just didn't mean the eye, they meant awareness. And what happens here is that if a person does not have a purposeful life, and the purpose is to worship and obey and please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then when they lack that purpose, they become overly aware of the dunya, overly aware of creation. They become so aware. They become aware of how pleased others are with them. They become aware of all the surroundings around them. They become aware of every single news, infotainment story that the media is happy to offer them. They become overly aware. And the golden rule is that the more aware you are of creation, the less aware you will be of the creator. The more aware you are of the side tracks on the path, the less aware you will be of the path you are supposed to follow. The more you're aware of the exits that lead off Sirat al-Mustaqim, the less you will be aware that your purpose of life was to simply walk on Sirat al-Mustaqim. So this was a notion our Mashaikh that encompasses by calling it Nazar Barqadam. So then what should a person use their eyes for? So their eyes were gifted by Allah Ta'ala to us to gaze upon His creation to remember Him, to gaze upon natural beauty, the beauty in the physical creation, to gaze upon Qur'an al-Kareem, to gaze upon the Kaaba, to gaze upon the books of deen, the books of hadith, the books of ilm. This was the purpose of our eye. Then the more we use our eyes in a purposeful way, the less we will use it in a purposeless way. Now everything I said, everybody will agree, everybody will not. But we're not going to be able to practically do it unless we set it as a condition for our own life. You will find today people, whenever they want to increase their productivity, their efficiency, there's a student who wants to study better. There's some worker who wants to work better. So he has to make a list. He makes a plan of action. He makes some to-do list. He sets some goal for himself. I need to study this much in a week. I need to study this much in a month. That's what Imam Azali was talking about. That's Musharata. To take your deen like that. To take your deen so seriously that you actually set conditions for yourself. And this is the nature of a human being. Unless you have some strict regimen and conditions, it's very rare that a person will be able to achieve or attain something in their deen. This is why Hazrat Mulani Ilyas when he wanted to conceive of this work of Dawat and Tablik, he set conditions. It can't be done without this musharata. There were certain conditions. There have to be a certain amal that take place in the masjid every day. There has to be a certain number of days a person goes every month. There's a certain number of days they go every year. There's a certain number of months they go in their lifetime. He had to make a system. Because he knew without implementing the system, people would not be able to attain the level of dawah that he wanted them to. Just like that, Imam Muzali was a master teacher of this field of tazkiyah. And he knew unless you make this system and this regimen, people will not be able to fight the nafs the way they're supposed to. They will be relaxed about it. They will take it easy. And sooner or later, the nafs will catch up with them. They will end up and fall and slip in some sin or the other. Another example of this musharata is of the tongue. So obviously we know we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't backbite, right? We shouldn't 
be mean to someone. We shouldn't use foul language. But many of us are end up misusing our tongue so many times in the week. It's not that we don't know. We, of course we know. It's not that we don't believe. Of course we believe. But we haven't been serious about it. So unless we're serious about it, our tongue will lapse into these sins. And the tongue was given us to speak the truth. The tongue was given us to make dhikr, du'a, ibadah, salah, tilawa, durood, salawat, istighfar. Can you imagine the tongue was given to us by Allah Ta'ala to take His blessed name? Hmm? Can you imagine there's no other organ like that that can speak Allah Ta'ala's name, that can recite Qur'an al-Kareem? Hmm? I'd say the tongue is an exalted organ of ours. But we use it so many times to hurt others. So many times to be angry with someone. So many times to use inappropriate words with someone. That same person, now these two things can combine in a person. That same person who uses his tongue in salah and recitation of Quran, that same person uses his tongue in hurtful, harmful, untruthful speech. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So strange. And they don't realize it. They don't realize it. You would think that okay, if they were angry with someone, then they came to pray salah. Then they would be scared. Oh, you know, I just used my tongue in this wrong way. I'm too scared to say Allah Akbar now. They're not scared. They go ahead and they recite salah. Okay, it could be the other way around. Now that I've recited salah with my tongue, when I go home, I'm too scared now to use it in angry, hurtful speech. No. They can use their tongue in salah and they can use their tongue in anger. And they can keep alternating. And they can do it every day for weeks and months and years. Why? Because they don't have this concept of musharata. They haven't set this as a condition for their life that they're going to hold back their tongue from improper and inappropriate and unlawful speech. So these were just two examples of what Imam al was saying. Now what does it mean? Right? A person can take this loosely. Some people try to follow it daily strictly. Some people try to do it weekly. You only need this first step when you're trying to ingrain a habit in yourself, a routine in yourself. And once something becomes routine, you don't have to put that thing on your to-do list. For example, mashallah, people who pray five times a day, once it's ingrained in them, you will see when they make their list of things to do today, they don't have to write it. It's understood. It's understood that they're going to pray five times a day. That's what it means to make something a shart of your life that it becomes so permanently established in your life, it's understood, you don't even have to consciously make effort for it anymore. So all of deen is supposed to be like that. All of deen is supposed to be like that. If there's anything relapsing in deen, then you have to consciously think about it, and consciously force your nafs about it, until it becomes automatic second nature to you. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Now just imagine that, that mashallah as regularly as many of you pray five times a day, can you imagine if we as regularly, as automatically did everything else in deen? We as regularly, as automatically did everything that Allah Ta'ala wants us to do in deen. Then we'd be proper mu'mineen, we become proper muslimin. Now, every single day and night of our life is an opportunity. Either you live it according to the conditions set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or you missed out. And the problem is that if you don't actively live it according to those conditions, the dunya has given a whole other set of conditions. Make yourself happy, make your nafs happy, 
do whatever you want, take it easy, be relaxed. There's so many other conditions and ways of life out there to rival this deen, to rival Surat al-Mustaqim. And unless you actively follow the principles of deen, you will slip and slide into the principles that the dunya is willing to offer. So this was the first thing that Imam al-Ghazali mentioned, which is called musharata. Means if you want to get rubbed with Allah Ta'ala, if you want to get this connection with Allah Ta'ala, you have to be systematic about it. You have to set some terms and conditions for that relationship. Then the second word he used is called muraqaba. Muraqaba, strictly speaking, means to be aware and vigilant. But again, now, again, it's two-way. So Allah Ta'ala is already intensely aware of us. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رُقِيبًا That indeed Allah Ta'ala is رُقِيب He is intensely aware over you. So muraqaba means to make it two-way. I want to be as aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah ta'ala is aware of me. So the ultimate level of this Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned is called Asan. Anta'budullaha ka'annaka tara. That you make ibadah, that you worship Allah ta'ala as if you were seeing Him. And if you can't do that, then you are aware that Allah ta'ala is seeing you. And the Mashaikh they mentioned a jeep thing that that person who makes ibadah in such a way, that first level of ihsan, they make ibadah in such a way that they feel that they're seeing Allah Ta'ala. Outside ibadah, they will have the second level of ihsan, that they will always be aware that Allah Ta'ala is seeing them. Inside ibadah, they're aware that they're seeing Allah Ta'ala. And outside ibadah, they're aware that Allah Ta'ala is seeing them. Second level is that now inside ibadah they can reach this, that they're aware that Allah Ta'ala is seeing them. And then the outside ibadah they have to keep striving for that. So now they're in that level of mujahada. They're going to strive for this feeling of awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the reality is that if a person could really feel how watchful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon them, they would change their life. Now look, for me and you, the day and age is finished now, where anybody could have this 24-7. Maybe there are few people who walk on the face of this earth. So I'm not talking to you about this tonight, that at that level, that Imam Ghazali and this great Mashaikh would talk about it. What can me and you hope for? Me and you can hope for some moments like this, some glimpses like this. That's a lot for us. Maybe few moments inside our salah that we worship as if we're seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe few moments inside our ibadah that we feel that Allah ta'ala is watching us. Maybe few moments spent in the day that we feel this awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't think right now, yes, it's totally out of our reach to do this 24-7. But try for a few moments a day. That's within reach. Don't underestimate the power of your iman. Don't underestimate the salah. That's within reach. Few moments in salah that you have rubbed with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and few moments outside ibadah that you have rubbed with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just start with that. Few moments a day. Then the few moments can become few minutes. Then those few minutes might become few hours. And it might take years to do that. No problem. What else have we been given life for except to do amal on these ayat of Qur'an? Except to do warabitu, to make our heart connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
There is nothing else worth living in this world. There is no other connection. There is no other attachment. There is no other relationship. There is no other identity except our connection and our relationship with Allah subhanahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the be-all and end-all of our life. Any and every other relation has to be lillah for the sake of Allah ta'ala. Otherwise it has no meaning and no value whatsoever. So here, this was this feeling of muraqaba. Mm, Imam Janid Baghdadi ta'ala used this concept of awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that once somebody asked him that, Shaykh, how can I lower my gaze? He said, you will be able, from ghair mihram, he said, you will be able to lower your gaze from a woman when you're aware that Allah Ta'ala's gaze is on you. When you know that He is viewing you, then you will decide, do I want Him to view me looking at her? And you will say, no, I don't want Him viewing me looking at her. So then you will lower your gaze. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Do you understand this concept now of being aware of Allah SWT? Then there was a person who once said that we sin as if Allah Ta'ala will see nothing. We sin so boldly as if Allah Ta'ala won't see. We sin as if Allah Ta'ala will see nothing. And then Allah Ta'ala forgives us as if He saw nothing. Allah Akbar Kabira. Hmm? We sin as if He won't see anything. And he forgives us later as if he didn't see anything. Ajeeb, subhanallah. Hmm? That's so strange. <laughs> but still then a person should be shamed that my Rabb, Ya Allah, if you see me, and then you, later you will forgive me so much as if you didn't see me, I'm so ashamed in front of you, I don't want you to see me sinning. I want to stop this. I don't want you to see me sinning anymore. I'm too embarrassed and ashamed about that. Hmm? Ajeeb. Hmm? That we sin as if he will see nothing and then he forgives us as if he saw nothing. Hmm? This is the maghfirat of Allah SWT. This is the rahmat of Allah SWT. Hmm? At the very least then, the beginning of awareness is to at least be aware of how merciful and forgiving Allah Ta'ala is towards me. That I make a mistake and Allah Ta'ala treats it as if I didn't do it. At least be aware of his sattari. At least, it means at least be aware of how much Allah Ta'ala covers and conceals and veils our sins from others. If we can't be aware of the sins themselves, at least be aware of the concealment that Allah Ta'ala put over our sin. And, if, and then a person does toba. That's what makes a person feel shame, feel hayan in front of Allah spontan. Our problem is that we are unaware of our sins and even we are unaware and therefore ungrateful of the veil Allah Ta'ala put over us. Allahu Akbar Kabira. In Al-Harath Al-Mahasabi Rumullah Ta'ala He said that awareness to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will begin from the heart. It doesn't begin from the mind. This concept of muraqaba, awareness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala begins from the heart. How? That heart that can remember fa'inni kareeb, that heart that remembers how close Allah Ta'ala is to us, that heart will lead one to the awareness of Allah Subhanahu Wa It's not about the mind, it's about the heart. 
One way to be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to be aware of His bounties, His fazl and karam, His gifts and blessings on us. If you're aware of His bounties, you will become aware of Him. And if you're unaware of His bounties and blessings, you will end up unaware of Him. The sign that you're aware of His bounties is that you feel the feeling of shukr in your heart. You feel the feeling of gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart. And it doesn't mean that, okay, I'm not ungrateful. A lot of times in between, there's a gap. that The person says, I wasn't really grateful and I wasn't ungrateful either. I was blank. This blankness is also being unaware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In order to erase this blankness is why Imam Ghazali said you have to have this feeling of muraqaba. And a lot of time we're blank, we're not grateful, we're not fearful, we're not loving. There's so many possible feelings that could have been in our heart, but our heart is blank and empty of all of them. This blankness in our deen is called ghafla. Emptiness, unawareness. Unawareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, now it's not about us being able to fight this or remove this 24 hours. But even if we can remove this for a few moments, a few minutes a day. But that's it. That's all it takes. To erase a few moments of ghafla every day. To erase a few minutes of unawareness and blankness. And, and again, in our deen, there's so many ways to fill in that blank. So many ways of ibadah, so many feelings, so many dhikr a person can say with their tongue, so many thoughts a person can have in their mind. Even just to think about Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, to think about Sahaba, to think about any hadith, to think about any ayah, to think about anything you may know in deen. Any thought, any feeling can fill that blank and can remove that emptiness from our heart. Then, there are three ways to be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala depending on your condition. Because either a person is obedient to Allah ta'ala or a person is disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a person is doing neither. Neither they're doing something that's obedience or disobedience. They're just doing something that's permissible or free time. Right? The one we're obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way to be aware is to be aware of one's intention. That okay, I'm obeying Allah Ta'ala and am I doing this purely for Him, purely for His sake and for His pleasure? Then to be aware of the adab, that is there a better way I could do this? For example, could I have prayed with more concentration? Could I have recited with more meaning? Could I have sent salawat, durutri from the Prophet with more love? So to be aware of the adab of that act. And the third thing is what we already mentioned, is to be aware of the Aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what we call ihsan. To be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Then there's even a way to be aware when you're sinning. Even a way to be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you're sinning. So that awareness is called nadma, remorse. That if a person is sinning and they haven't forgotten Allah ta'ala entirely. So what happens is they might keep, they might follow up on that sin, they might follow through on that sin. But while sitting, their awareness of Allah Ta'ala will make them feel remorse while sitting. That's very important. And lots of times our nafs doesn't want that. What we want is that when we sin, we should forget Allah Ta'ala entirely. Because we can't deal with the guilt. And that's why a lot of the fitnas out there try to make us do sin without shame. Try to make us do sin without guilt. 
So we feel no remorse and regret over our sin. Then if a person can take it further, the awareness of Allah Ta'ala when sinning is to feel remorse and then to seek his forgiveness and then ultimately to make true tawbah. Then comes the third position that okay, let's say a person is not obeying Allah Ta'ala and also a person is not sinning. So here the awareness is what we mentioned is to stay away from ghafla, to have background zikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in our heart. So this our mashayikh they taught this practice of zikr called wakufa kalbi. Wakufa kalbi means how to remain aware of Allah subhanahu wa even when you're functioning in the dunya, even when you're working, studying, shopping, driving, meeting, interacting, intermingling with people, to remain aware of Allah subhanahu wa To our mashayikh, they use this term in Arabic called wakufa kalbi. What does it mean? It means that when you're aware of Allah subhanahu you're aware that his gaze is upon you. You're aware that his qurb is near you. You're aware that he is seeing you. He is al-khabir, al-basir, al-sami'ah. You become aware of his awareness. That's it. It doesn't mean you stop what you're doing. You keep doing what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, you're working, studying, teaching, driving, shopping. You keep doing it, but you're just aware that he is aware of you. That's the basic meaning of wakufa kalmi. And then the highest level of awareness, put it this way, this is a way of being aware of Allah Ta'ala without making yourself unaware of dunya. To be aware of Allah Ta'ala without making yourself unaware of creation. Then there's the second type. Second type is to become so completely aware of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that you become completely unaware of the creation. And this, you can't do this all the time, you wouldn't be able to function. But there should be few minutes in the day of your life that you're so completely aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you become completely unaware of creation. This is the practice of Muraqamah that our Mashaik taught. And what happens is when you're so completely aware of Him, you can't think any thought, you can't do anything except recite His name from your heart. That's the only thing you can do. Because you're so lost in your awareness of Him. This is sometimes called fana, istighraq. It means you erase your awareness of everything. And that everything can even include your own self. Allahu Akbar So to be completely unaware of dunya, to be completely unaware of creation, to be completely aware of one's own self, because a person is only aware of Allah SWT. Now again, this is something we can only hope for moments like this. Few moments like this a day would even be something. Few moments when we turn off everything entirely. And the only switch on our whole switchboard, the only switch that is left on is the connection to Allah subhanahu wa So that's the ultimate meaning of this word in Quran, Rabitu. That you have so much rabt, ta'luk. Allah, you have so much connection with Allah subhanahu wa that you forget every single thing except for Him. And that's the real purpose of all ibadah. The real purpose of all ibadah is to disconnect and to connect to Allah subhanahu wa So then if a person does all of these things, so they had sabr, then they had istikamat, then they made this rabt, then wattakullah. Now we can truly fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we can truly stay away from sins. لَأَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِهُونَ And this is the way a person gets success. This is the way a person gets falah in their life.
So in one ayah of Quran, Allah Ta'ala mentioned these steps. Isbiru, sabiru, rabitu, wattaku. Sabr, istikama, connection, and then you finally get taqwa. And when you do these things, then you get falah. You get a happiness and a joy in your heart. You get a happiness and joy in your life. You'll get a happiness and joy in the Day of Judgment. And you will get a happiness and joy when you see that Allah Ta'ala is happy with you. This is that pleasure called Ridwan. Ridwanum min Allahi Akbar. That the pleasure from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest of blessing, the greatest of joys. But it can't happen without taqwa. And this taqwa is going to happen when we have sabr, istiqamah, and rabt. So the main purpose then of tonight was that we should make an intention in our heart that we want this rabt and connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if there's anything that distracts us from Allah ta'ala, anything that even weakens this connection, anything that dampens this connection, anything that causes interference and static in that connection, we want to leave it. And we want to have a clear connection, deep connection, long-lasting connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we want that connection inside our ibadah, outside our ibadah, when we're in public, when we're in private, when we're alone, when we're with the family, when we're with friends, we want to always do amal on this verse of Quran and always do amal on this word, Rabitu. May Allah Ta'ala accept this near from us. May He accept this intention from us. May He grant us hearts that are full of love and awareness and connection to Him. Before we make dua, we're going to practice this exercise of rabt that our Mashaik teach called Muraqaba, that you reflect on everything that you heard and was said tonight, and you make niyat that you go deep into your ruh, into the heart of your your qalb, and from your spiritual heart you want to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from your spiritual heart you want to rabt with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and your <coughs> spiritual heart is silently calling Allah ta'ala's name, as if your qalb is calling Allah, Allah, Allah. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Ming dua subhanahu bin ala wahaballahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa mabarik wa sallam Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam takfir lana wa tarhamna lana kunna minal khasirin 
Be firm on us, Ya Rabb. Help us to be disciplined, Ya Rabb. Make us steadfast on deen, firm on deen, true on deen, loyal in deen, loving in deen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us from your ibad salihin Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive us for all the sins that we ever did. Forgive us for all the mistakes we ever made. Forgive us for all the opportunities that we missed. Ya Rabbi Kareem, so many days and nights of our life has passed. There were so many hours we could have remembered you. So many prayers in which we could have been aware of you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we spent those days and nights in waste, Ya Rabb. We allowed ourselves to become forgetful of you. We make toba of this ghafla, toba of this laziness, toba of these lapses. Ya Rabbi Kareem, from now on, put the zikr of you in our heart, put the zikr of you in our mind, put the zikr of you in our tongue. Let us feel more in our salah, focus more in our salah, let us feel more in our ibadah, let us remember you in the day and the night. Let us remember you in and out of Ibadah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask that you grant us every meaning and every feeling of this muraqabah, every meaning and every feeling of being aware of you, close to you, intimate to you, near to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, you yourself said in Quran, فَإِنِّي كَرِيبَ Ya Allah, draw us near, make us from the muqarrabun, make us from your salihin mu'mineen, from your muttaqeen mu'mineen, from the siddiqeen mu'mineen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for all the time we may have wasted in any and all idle and vain pursuits. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us purposeful now. Make us value our time now. Let us spend our time for you. Let us live our life for you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, protect us from every fitna, every fasad, every fisk, every fajur, every trial, every test, every sin, every shamelessness. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us haya, Ya Rabbi. Grant us shame, Ya Rabbi. Make us people of Haya, make us an Ummah of Haya, make us community of Haya, make us defenders of Haya, make us guardians of Haya. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us an Ummah of Zikr again, an Ummah of Adab again, an Ummah of Dawah again, an Ummah of Taqwa again. Restore us to our Hidayah, Ya Rabbi. Guide us to this Hidayah, Ya Rabbi. Guide us upon this Hidayah, Ya Rabbi. Ya Rabbi, tonight we make tawbah for all of the Ummah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Send your Kamil Rahmah, your Kamil Maghfara on each and every one of the Ummah, Ya Rabb. Send your Hidayah on this Ummah, Ya Rabb. Ya Rabbi, make special dua for all of the Ahlul Deen, the Ahlul Ilm, the Ahlul Zikr, the Ahlul Dawah, the teachers of Quran, the students of Ilm. Ya Rabbi Kareem, send your special Rahmah on them. Send your special Hivaza on them. Protect us from the traps of Shaitan. Protect us from the tricks of our nafs. Protect us from the pitfalls of dunya. Protect us from the lures of creation. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us be attracted to you allured by you enticed with deen in love with deen Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem we ask that you accept the heartfelt du'as of all of those who are present and listening remove all of our 
worries, ease all of our difficulties, guide us when we know not, inspire us, Ya Rabb, guide us, Ya Rabb, save us, Ya Rabb, protect us, Ya Rabb, send your special rahmah, karam, and fuzzle, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takambal minna innaka anta sami'ul alim, wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabur rahim, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad, وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا أَرْحَمَ الرَّاحِمِينَ آمين.